0: Welcome to Two Brothers and Their Sports. I'm your co-host, Arif, And I'm your co-host, Arsh. And today on the show, we have a really exciting two segments. We're going to start off by talking about the MLB's new rules, the pitch clock, and some other rules that they implemented this year. Also, we're going to talk about the NFL Draft, our NFL Mock Draft 1.0, with all the latest updates. And then we'll keep you guys updated going up to the draft in April. And also, make sure you guys stay tuned for our giveaway. It's coming up next month. So make sure you guys subscribe and are ready for that. So you don't miss it, but let's start with the MLB and some of the new rules have just taken effect, especially in MLB spring training, which is where we really got to see the rules in effect. So the main rule that has been sweeping the league by storm is the MLB's new pitch clock rule, which is basically a batter has 30, there's 30 seconds between batters. Now there is and then, and then there's a pitch clock between pitches, and the pitch clock is 15 seconds between pitches if there's no runners on base, and then 20 seconds if there's runners on base. That's the time you have to start your windup, And the batter has to be in the box if before their eight seconds are left on the pitch clock. So I think that this is a really, really good rule for the MLB, especially when you look at it. Last year, MLB had one of the highest singles. I think they had the highest singles per game ever. And they also... They had the lowest batting average since 1968. So it's this is a great implementation. It's gonna make pitchers more tired, and that's gonna make them make batters more. They're gonna they're gonna um have a better eye because they're gonna know a lot of balls are gonna be thrown because pitchers are gonna be tired. So I think this is a great rule for not because think about it. Pitchers have they the reason that pitches were so long before in between pitches was because a pitcher. Winds up takes their time getting ready, their routine, and then winds up and throws it a hundred percent effort every single time, a hundred to a hundred and ten times a game. Think about that. That's an insane amount of balls, and most of them are over 85-90 miles an hour. So it's a crazy amount of balls a pitcher's throwing per game. So now you're limiting that. So a pitcher has to throw less with less efficiency and less power per throw. So it's gonna make batters more aware, and it's also gonna increase batting averages, I think. Also, um, I think this is a good rule for the MLB because the MLB got a lot of heat over the past few years for becoming really, really slow. They had an average of over three hours per game last year. Now that, on average, the pitch clock cuts down the game by 20 to 25 minutes. So it's going to make it a lot more entertaining, and it's going to make it a lot higher scoring, and it's just going to be a better MLB this year, I think.
1: Yeah, so I agree with a little bit of what you said there about it making it better and more enjoyable. Maybe a little bit to watch for the casual fan. However, baseball is America's pastime. I mean, baseball has been a thing since the late 1800s going into the 1900s. And that's exactly what baseball is. It's so much of a psychological game. Game. It's so much about getting any edge you can. And this has been discouraged, obviously, because it's cheating now. But stealing signs and and cheating has always been a huge part. Remember the old saying, if you're not cheating, you're not playing baseball right. That's how baseball has been played. Baseball has also been played as a really big psychological game. There's pitchers that throw inside on purpose. There's huge fights, and there's and it's all because of the pitcher and batter relationship. There's stalling in pitches. I mean, there's been guys that have thrown five pitches in like 10 minutes and there's timeouts. That's all part of baseball. And the fact that we're implementing this right now is is taking a lot of that way a, a lot of that away. And remember, last year we talked about robo empires and um robo umpires and robots uh being able to call exactly every pitch. And that's what affects the game, in my opinion, because that's what baseball is supposed to be. There's supposed to be bad calls that change the tide of the game. That is baseball. That is how history has been made, and you, in my opinion, should not be changing that right now. But is it, that is that what the sport is supposed to be? Is it supposed to be based off refereeing? I believe so. Re- refereeing and the psychological and mental aspect, and I don't think it's going to change that much for people. I don't think it's going to raise batting averages. Pitchers still have to throw pitches, and, and the reason m- the majority... And the main reason that pitchers stall is not just because they're tired. I think that's a very minor reason that they don't want to throw that many pitches. They can definitely handle the, that many pitches even in a short amount of time like that. The problem is the psychological aspect. You get hitters into the flow. We saw a 20-second strikeout. That's an average of one pitch every almost six, six and a third seconds, 6.5 seconds. That is crazy to me. The fact that This is and and I'm not I'm not calling myself an an expert and advanced fan, but to the casual fan, yeah, it might not be as boring, quote unquote, that we've started to say baseball is. However, to me, I feel like this is not what baseball is supposed to be. Baseball is not supposed to be a sport where there are perfect calls everywhere it's not supposed to be a sport that's called quick it's supposed to be a sport where you can sit down and you can watch the game and it might be three hours it might be four hours but the point is that this is america's pastime this has been america's sport and it's been in america since the late 1800s and the fact that we are changing this right now especially when we've seen it's ended a game in a tie the fact that this is a rule change that takes away a humongous aspect of the game. And I know you agree with that point. The psychological it does, aspect, yes. aspect is a huge part of the game. No, I, I so know. Almost all of
0: it. I agree with that. But I just I think that, listen, a pitcher is throwing at, at a high velocity every single pitch they're in the game. So I, I'm not talking about like limiting the amount of pitches they throw. I'm talking about the velocity and speed at right. which they throw equally each pitch think about it imagine throwing 99 98 imagine being a guy that throws that and you have and you have to you have only 20 seconds or 15 seconds to get in the ball, bo- to get ready and start throwing the ball think about that think about how much faster you're going to get tired think about how many
1: less pitches you're going to throw think it's about how many like more pitchers pitch you have to like use that. but there's also innings there's still breaks and it's only 3 outs and it seems like that yes don't get me wrong But the fact is that they are not going to be throwing that many pitches without, number one, being taken out because the fact that you're throwing that many pitches means you're not getting out of innings quickly. Every inning you have a break. And number two, if they are throwing that many pitches, it's because they can handle it. Look, it's going to seem like that. It seems like that when you think about it, right? But you look at the stats in the spring training games, you look at the stats when the games will start and it won't change a lot. Maybe the batting averages will go up a little because there's always up years and down years. But the point, in my opinion, is it's not nearly a big enough benefit to take away the harm of taking this away. In my opinion, the the benefits do not outweigh the harm. That there is a huge mental game and psychological game. How are you going to take 15 seconds to to think about whether or not you want to throw a baseball inside at this guy? But and, doesn't
0: and- but doesn't doesn't having a pitch clock? I would say that that makes the batter's rhythm easier because they know when the pitcher is going to throw the ball. They know that they have a time limit. They can't stall them. So it makes the batter's life easier. So it's going to increase the batting average, let alone the amount of power hitters we have this year, the amount of hits that we have this year. I would just say all around, it increases the batter's awareness of what a pitcher is going to do. And it just
1: makes the batter's at an advantage here. I disagree. I don't think it'll make a huge difference, but in my opinion, the fact that you can't take a lot of time stalling the game is also a huge part of baseball. It's a huge part. And, and being able to do that and being able to utilize that is a huge part. And especially with the penalties for not following these rules is crazy because that could be messing up a shutout or a no hitter because of that. And that rattles the pitcher. The fact is that it's a lot harder to be able to And I I agree with one point here. It's going to be a lot harder to pitch a complete games pitching at that speed. Okay, yeah, that's true. But most pitchers aren't going to go to that many innings, and it shouldn't make a difference there, in my opinion. I think baseball will definitely be played faster. However, it is not going to be better for the sport, and I think that the players are going to realize that maybe not the batter, maybe not the batter so much, but the pitchers most definitely that it takes away a huge aspect of the game, the mental and psychological aspect, which I believe is just as big as a part, just as big as a part as the physical aspect.
0: Yep. That makes sense. All right. Now let's move on to the NFL mock draft and I'll start off. So the order right now at, at no trades is Chicago bears, Houston Texans, Arizona Cardinals, and then Indianapolis Colts and Seattle Seahawks via Denver from and that Russell five, Wilson trade.
1: Let's go five to one here so that um, we'll start exactly. out our fifth pick and then go all the way down to first. Okay. And trade so, some stuff, but still. Yeah. So, so my fifth pick,
0: this is tough for me, but I think that there's actually going to be a trade here. I think the Seattle Seahawks trade back. We know they had a really good year. They made it to the playoffs with a with a guy that a year that they were supposed to be tanking. So I think that they trade back. Their their only real needs are on defense. This is a very offensive heavy class. After you get outside of the top two interior defensive linemen or defensive linemen in general, so I think they move back. I think they trade with the Las Vegas Raiders who are trying to get a quarterback, and I think that they trade that um the Las Vegas Raiders trade up to select CJ Stroud from Ohio State. Look, CJ Stroud, five. yeah, and there's a reason. Look, CJ Stroud had one of the best years at at no, okay, we know years are getting better for quarterbacks every single year coming out of college, but CJ C. Stroud had was arguably the best player in college football this year. He was he arguably just was. He had an incredible year better than Bryce Young, better than Anthony Richardson, better than Will Levis, better than all of them. But his draft stock has not been great. And the NFL combine, we know, is in full swing and takes a large part. It affects a large part of what how teams draft. And I think that the other two guys are going to perform really well at the draft combine. CJ Stroud will be okay. But the other two's draft stock is very, very high. So I'm going to have CJ at 5 to the Las Vegas Raiders.
1: Yeah, so at 5, I also have a trade. I have Seattle trading away with Carolina, who desperately— desperately need a quarterback and I think that they trade with Carolina Carolina comes up and at pick number five is able to select one of the most uh polarizing prospects in this year's class his draft stock has risen tremendously I'm talking about Anthony Richardson maybe the top quarterback in this year's NFL draft I think he's going at number five You can look him up on YouTube or look at his highlights, which will probably be playing from here up until the end of April to the draft because his draft stock has just been rising, rising, rising. The guy went to Florida, and you see some of his highlights. Some people compare him to Josh Allen. Other people compare him to Lamar Jackson. That's the type of player that he is. He is a scrambler. He has a strong arm, too. He's a field general, an improviser, all of those things. He is not just a jack of all trades, but elite in all trades. And he could he could be a very, very polarizing prospect. Kind of like, uh, you know, like a Patrick Mahomes, maybe a little bit. Maybe more like a Jordan Love. Remember when Jordan Love was coming out of North Dakota State? Like, there were not, before the draft, we didn't know what was going to happen. His draft stock wasn't nearly as high, though. yeah. But he was a very polarizing prospect. I think it was as high. If you remember back, some people thought that teams would be willing to take a chance on him in the top five. Obviously, he fell a lot more than that. But the fact was that he was that kind of polarizing prospect. And I compare Anthony Richardson a lot to uh, Jordan Love and even Patrick Mahomes a bit. He can run, except Anthony Richardson can run more. Now, I'm not not saying he has Patrick Mahomes arm, but the point is for this Carolina offense that traded away their best player in Christian McCaffrey, they still have DJ Moore. They still have some good talent to build around and a great defense, a great young defense with Brian Burns leading it all. I think this can be a really good team, especially with Anthony Richardson at the helm. And I pre- I predict that that is what's going to happen. All right,
0: so at number four, I have a trade. And now you'll know who's trading to number one. It's the Chicago Bears at number four instead of the Indianapolis Colts. And I think they trade back. I think the Colts move up. And I'll tell you who they select later. But at number four, I think the Bears still get their guy. I think they still get the guy that was projected to be number one until earlier this week when he, there was allegations about his car crash where he killed several Georgia people. But I'm going to go with Jalen Carter at number four. His draft stock has fallen a lot, but I think he is still the best defensive player in this draft. We saw what he did at Georgia. He was a key part in their defense that took them to the national championship and helped them win it. He's a great. He's an incredibly strong guy, fast, great off the line, and he fits this Bears team perfectly. The Bears really need to improve. What they need to improve is their offense a little bit. But with Jaylen, with Justin Fields taking the next step, it's really their defense. So I think um, Jalen Carter will be a great guy here at this pick. And they're still, the Bears will still get their guy because he's fallen from earlier in the week.
1: Yeah, so at number four, I'm also having the same trade. We both have had trades. And at the 5th and 4th pick, and I have the same trade. It's a pretty widespread trade for this, but Indianapolis Colts with the Chicago Bears. And here, I think the Chicago Bears select Will Anderson Jr., the edge rusher from Alabama, who I think is one of the top players in the NFL draft, defensively or offensively. I don't think that Jalen Carter is the number one defensive player in the draft, but I think both of them are top and at this spot, the best player for the Bears is going to be Will Anderson Jr. I definitely could see them trading back even further because there's a lot of there's a lot of QB hungry teams beneath them. However, Seattle is right next to them, and they might not take a QB because they have Geno Smith. So yeah. So the fact of the matter is, this is a really good spot for them, which is why I have them trading with Indianapolis, and Indianapolis need the QB. So we'll talk about that when we get to number one but right here. I've got Will Anderson Jr. He's an amazing player, one of the top in the NFL draft, like I said, this year, and probably going to be a very good edge rusher in the NFL for years to come. And I've got him going to Chicago Bears to see if he can try to become another Khalil Mack or Robert Quinn type figure for the Chicago Bears defense.
0: All right, and I forgot to mention, in that trade, I actually have Michael Pittman leaving the Indianapolis Colts. I have him going Ooh. to the Bears, so that'll increase the Bears' offensive star power a lot. Um, but number three, at for the Arizona Cardinals, I have the guy that last year would have been the number one pick as a sophomore. Didn't have as amazing of a year this year as he did last year, but still a top two, defense, top five, surely. Arguably number one defensive player in the draft, Will Anderson Jr. One of the best generational talents we've seen coming off the edge in mo in recent years. Last year's, like I said, supposed to be number one, and he was a sophomore. He was mocked to be number one this year after he had a little bit of a down year. Jalen Carter had a good year, and all those QB needy teams that came in front. Will Anderson is still a really really good player, even though he didn't have as great of a year as he wanted, as he are that he wanted to, but that he had a year ago. But I think this is J.J. Watts' retirement uh replacement. I think it, it's going to keep this defense really, really great, and I think they're going to be a top-10 defense in generating pressure next year.
1: Yeah, number three, I'm flip-flopping, switching with you. I've got Jalen Carter here. I think he is going to get drafted ahead of Will Anderson Jr., and he's just a top prospect in this year's draft. He's one of the best D lineman who will be in the NFL after getting drafted this year. I think he'll be one of the top guys in the league, at least top 20 for D lineman. And he's going to be a force. And he was a force in college at, at Georgia. He is just amazing and would be a perfect fit. And instead of the JJ Watt replacement, I feel like this is more of a guy to help Chandler Jones at D tackle because this is very much needed for this Arizona team. They have spots to improve all over the board. Kyler Murray played almost, if not all this season, and they had the third overall pick. So there is a huge problem in Arizona, and I don't think it's going to be fixed anytime soon, but Jalen Carter can go there and at least make a big difference for them, which leaves a bunch of really interesting prospects. There's about three or four guys that we could be predicting right now to go one and two, even with these guys off the board. So let's get to that.
0: Yeah. And I know you're gonna be a very, very surprised by this, but I think that this guy's draft stock has not, not been moving much. I think it'll slightly increase by the combine, but the guy that's going number one will have a way bigger jump. Will show out at the combine, and his draft stock will continue to soar. So right now at number two to the Houston Texans, I have Bryce Young, former former Heisman winner, going to this team. Look, he's a little undersized all know it but he won the Heisman only only um Alabama QB to win the Heisman and he's he's a great scrambler he can do things with his feet in the pocket he can throw he can deliver he's not as mobile he's not as great of a scrambler but I mean sorry he is a great scrambler but he's not as great of a passer as a scrambler, but he can still throw incredibly well. So I have him going at number two, and then you'll see who I have going number one. It's very yeah. Interesting.
1: I was just thinking, wait a second, if you have, if you have CJ Stroud at
0: five, Bryce at
1: two, Bryce Young off the board. That is, you'll crazy. See. but at you'll number see. two, I've also got uh, Bryce Young going off the board at number two. I think he's an amazing prospect. He'll be amazing for the Texans try to replace Deshaun Watson on the field and be a Deshaun Watson-like QB. I think that the hype is a little big around him. He's more of a Tua-like prospect to me, a guy that was pretty good in college, also went to the same university just as a coincidence, but will not be too much of a special prospect in the NFL, will need a lot of surrounding pieces. He does have Damian Pierce if he goes to the Texans or whoever the Texans are. John Matchy too. Right, yeah, Medju Hopefully, Medju, yeah. Hopefully, knock on wood for him. He yeah. hasn't played yet this season, so and he hopefully will this coming season. So the, he's got a couple of pieces. He, I think he's got Brevin Jordan as well. Yeah. And on the defensive side, they're not they're nothing special, but they're all right.
0: Yeah, they just got Derek Stingley in the draft.
1: Yeah, so they're nothing special, but they're all right. And see, and um. Bryce Young hopefully can help turn that around for them. He can hopefully be a franchise quarterback, but I don't know if I see all that um, to me. He seems like a mediocre to good QB in the NFL. Maybe we'll reach the B tier at the peak of his career. Kind of like a Matt Ryan, Andrew Luck type guy in the, in his peak. Nothing like yeah. the play style, as we both know. Okay. He's a really cool prospect, but that's, I've got him at number two, and I think he'll be all right for this team, but that's what I think they're going to do in the number two spot. All right, so number one, what you've been waiting for,
0: what everyone's been waiting for, who I have the Indianapolis Colts taking after they traded away Michael Pittman and traded up to get at the number one spot. I said it. This guy's draft stock has already been really high. He still has a month. I think he's going to perform really, really well at the combine. And look, this guy's a Florida Gator. He was injured. Yep, he was a Florida Gator. He's injured, but his he's still. Before that, he was, I can't even describe him. He was a quarterback that was Lamar Jackson's agility and running, mixed with, like, incredible power, mixed with a guy that has an incredible arm in Josh Allen slash Patrick Mahomes. This is literally Lamar Jackson, but str- this is literally Jalen Hurts, but with a better arm. And Jalen Hurts has an amazing arm. But this is Jalen Hurts with a cannon on his, on his, on you his body. You know this reminds me? Malik Willis. This, yes, this does remind me of Malik Willis, except this guy is better than Malik Willis. I think this guy will be an all-pro, first-team all-pro, maybe even an MVP candidate in the next few years after he's drafted. But he, we know years. how, yeah, we know how great he is. I think he'll have a better arc than Trevor Lawrence did already. And I think that... He might not have the pieces around him, but he surely has Jonathan Taylor. He surely has an incredible offensive line, and they surely will draft a wide receiver or get one in free agency for him. So, this guy we know is incredible. I cannot, I cannot even overstate how great he is because he will just, he's better than what I'm going to tell you he is. I think he's going to play great. And I think on a guy that just got hired from the Philadelphia Eagles to be the head coach, a guy that is familiar with Jalen Hurts. Is now going to look for someone like that and he has a guy here that's even better so i have um i have anthony richardson going number one even though he's injured
1: yeah and this is kind of the hard part of predicting right so for the colts or whoever goes that number one we don't know the executives we don't know what they think like and who they enjoy but whoever gets number one is going to have whoever they want and that's going to throw off the entire rest of the draft so that's why predicting like this is kind of hard and we'll get to our mock draft 2.0, perhaps even a 3.0 later down in the road where we know what the combine has held for these prospects. But at number one, I've got the standout QB left. Well, really the standout QB. I mean, the entire draft pool is open at this point. This is the number one pick. But in my opinion, I think the in- Indianapolis Colts will see their quarterback for best fit for their scheme in C.J. Stroud. He's the quarterback for Ohio State. He had an amazing season, amazing end of the season, battling, I think, against TCU, I believe, and just battling back and forth, trying to get his team to win. He absolutely carried his team. His team didn't have the, the star power. He played Georgia, but yeah. Georgia? Yeah. He, but he was battling Remember,
0: is that insanely high-scoring game.
1: Yeah, they were battling, but he never had the star power that those old Ezekiel Elliott-type Ohio State teams had. However, he brought him pretty far. He's an amazing player. He's going to be amazing for the Colts if that's who they end up drafting or whoever gets him, whoever snags him. And I and, the, and this leaves Will Levis out of my top five, and Will Levis out of your top five as well. I just don't really see it as much. He could definitely become a Jay Herbo type guy, but right now not top five in my predictions for what I think will happen. But I do have this guy going number one to the Colts. Like you said, amazing Team. Amazing offense, amazing defense. They're getting a new head coach. They're getting everything put in place. And I think that this team could be really, really good with whoever QB, whichever QB they end up drafting, and especially if they end up getting this star in CJ Stroud.